Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. We'll let everybody join in. Rob, does this mean you're at home today? It does. It does. Well, um, you don't want to talk about splooting anymore? I do want to talk about splooting. <laughs> Why don't you share with everybody what sploot is? Everyone's going to think it's a mortgage term now. <laughs> no. Let's stop. Can we well, get could be. I mean, about what people think it is? <laughs> I, I, saw some, I saw some mortgage folks splooting at the uh, Western Zach. No, I actually, I didn't. Thank goodness. No, it's where I, in fact, I've used it one time in my opening paragraph. It's where an animal, any animal, you know, whether it's a rhino or a puppy, um. Yeah, Ira. Ira's always Ira's always good for uh, uh, useless knowledge like this. Okay. At least that's what at least that's what the owner of his company tells me. Uh, uh, no, yeah, Ira. What were the animals laying down on its stomach? It's like if like if you were going down a slip and slide. If they still make slip and slides, I don't know if they do or not. You know, Aaron D. Squirrels. Yeah, they just lay on their bellies and they're their front paws are out and their back paws are out in the other direction and cool, cooling their bellies or something. Okay. Anyway. All right. We we're digressing and we haven't even begun. We are digressing and we haven't even begun. Um, thank you guys all for joining us. We've, we've got, looks like people still, still coming in, but I'll go ahead and kick us off. Um, yes, Aaron, it is a typical rundown. <laughs> um, all right. So I'll come go- from. Aaron D, she's calling us out uh, for for how we start our our rundowns. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll go ahead and kick us off. I'm Melissa Langdale, President COO of the Mortgage Collaborative. Um, I'm joined as always by uh, the brilliant, uh, distinguished Rob Chrisman, <laughs> and today also joined by the brilliant Camilla Martin um, with Snap Docs and. Um, excited about the conversation we get to have. Uh, Camila, thank you for joining us. Um, and for those of you that have not uh, subscribed to YouTube, uh, our YouTube channel, please do. And uh, make sure to, uh, it, wherever you get your podcast, you can um, you can subscribe to us there just by searching for TMC Connect. Um, so Camila, again, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you spending your Friday afternoon with us. Um, and thank you, SnapDocs, for for obviously everything that you do for the Mortgage Collaborative. We love having you as a partner and um, excited to have you share your expertise with us today. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, having me and SnapDocs on to talk about that. Um, always happy to be on a call with you and the legend, Rob Chrisman. Um, he's always down in conferences. So if you can get him on a webinar, I mean... Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to be here. I think it's some really good topics that you guys have outlined for today and, and ready to dig in. That sounds great. Well, why don't, um, just for everybody here that that may not know you as well as Rob and I have been able to get to know you over the last uh, little bit, um, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and, and your role at SnapDocs? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I am a, a mortgage industry lifer, at least I have been so far, my entire professional career going on almost 20 years. Um, I spent most of that time at MERS, now known as ICE, um, and a couple of years working as a consultant for Ginny May before I joined SnapDocs about two and a half or three years ago. But the common theme in, in all of my work so far has been 
um, very focused on adoption of digital collateral, the use of electronic promissory notes, and, and basically any technology that allows lenders to take that, that sort of last mile of the closing process and, and digitize it. Um, and, and so I do that at SnapDocs. I work with our lenders, our customers, our secondary market participant customers, and help them understand sort of what does that process look like, what changes when they're accepting digital collateral or originating digital collateral, and what is the right strategy for their implementations that helps them get to, you know, whatever their goals might be. It might be customer experience. It could be increasing profitability. It could be a little bit of everything, um, but really fine-tuning that strategy so that they get the, those business outcomes that they're hoping to achieve. That's great. You, um, you know, obviously e-closings, particularly uh, when COVID hit, right, um, you know, really, really took off. Um, you know, we had uh, a lot of kind of push for adoption before that, but it feels like, you know, as soon as um, everybody got remote and and that kind of risk of COVID happened, um, you know, the the ability to kind of close in your own home and, um, you know, go through the, or, or limit the amount of time that, that, you know, customers are in uh, either attorney or title company offices was really appealing to a lot of customers. Um, do you see kind of, you know, uh, from a customer experience perspective, do you see customers really um, uh, continue to to request this? Do you feel like, you know, since COVID has, has kind of waned a little bit, people are willing to go back into the office or do you um, see this as, as um, you know, going to continue to grow as, as people realize kind of the ease of use over time? Great question. Um, so I'll, I'll start by just giving a little bit of background about what SnapDocs does, because I think that'll be a good lead-in into, into why we have these observations and this data available to us. But um, if you think of SnapDocs, we really pick up where the POS and the LOS stop. So uh, all that interaction that happens during closing, all those participants that need to come together to make that closing happen, you know, settlement, borrower, loan officer, funder, um, everyone needing to know what they need to do when all that collaboration today traditionally happens via email and in other systems. And so uh, up until SnapDocs, there really wasn't this category of closing infrastructure the way that we talk about it today. Um, so what we do is we digitize every aspect of the closing process from scheduling of the notary by a title company, the interactions between the notary and the lender and the title company, and actually digitizing the closing experience all the way down to the docs in some instances. Um, so when you ask about that question, you know, it's really interesting because it was a silver lining for digital closings because a lot of lenders who traditionally thought of digital closings as like a nice to have, consumer experience, something very futuristic, but not necessary, it really caused a paradigm shift where folks thought of this as you know, almost like a disaster recovery or BCP type of initiative, like a tool that I need to have on the shelf. Because at the time we were doing crazy things and talking about things like drive-by closings and, you know, doorstep closings. And, you know, you saw the images of people sliding the paper through the door. Well, we all know life found a way. Nothing was going to stop those closings from occurring, right? The mortgage industry is, is, a, is one that is going to get it done one way or another. Um, but I still think it was a good shakeup. I think it was a reminder that like this is not technology that can be ignored. And it's not just about nice to have and, and good experience. It's really about um, so much more. And so did we see people take their foot off the gas a little bit after COVID sort of started to, to um, calm down a bit? But no one's going backwards, 
right? I think everyone's realizing this is something I need to do and they're investing in the technology. The, the second boost followed with rates and with the reduction in loan volume, because now you've got folks that are realizing that, you know, there's only so much I can do to originate more loans. There's only so many pivots they can make there. Um, but you can increase the profitability of the loans that you do have, right? And, and also create a more referral-worthy experience if you're taking out a lot of the otherwise manual coordination or issues that come up in a, in a sort of manual traditional paper closing. And so then we saw sort of a, a resurgence of interest related to that. Um, and I think that's a big part of, of, you know, sort of what you're talking about now is like the investments that we're seeing lenders make today, they're all in areas of, increasing operational efficiency, capital efficiency. How can I make the most money I possibly can on every single loan that I originate? Yeah, I, I think you you just touched on two um, really big things, right? Operational efficiency being one of them. And then, you know, kind of leveraging this really to to lower the cost of origination at the same time and maybe even reduce risk in, in some, you know, way, shape or form. So, you know, if I think about kind of operational efficiencies, you guys did actually some some case studies on this and and um, kind of started to measure out what uh, what kind of efficiencies people were gaining, as well as kind of the extra um, kind of profit that was was capable. Um, I, I think it would be fantastic for you to share some of some of that uh, research that you guys did with everybody. Yeah, definitely. Th- this um this is one of my least favorite numbers to throw out because when I do. I'll- Inevitably, someone's going to be like, no, mine was closer to this. Um, But the range that we see with digital closings, particularly when you introduce an electronic promissory note, which allows you to accelerate a lot of the secondary market activity, um, it's anywhere in the range of $150 to $450 per loan. Um, And if you think about how massive that is, just digitizing that one single document, the note, right? The, The actual product we're all creating in the mortgage industry, the one that's being bought and sold can have that kind of an impact. But when you peel the onion back, there's certainly operational efficiency because I'm not waiting to get docs back. I don't need to manually review anything that was e-signed. There's no way to miss a signature or, you know, all of a sudden be missing a page. All that stuff sort of goes away. Um, But once you have the collateral digitally, you can deliver it digitally. Uh, Lenders are reporting that they're cutting their warehouse 12 times in half. Um, The GSEs, are able to automatically certify e-notes by doing a, an automated data comparison. So they're funding the purchase of a loan with an e-note in a business day. And, and all of that in the aggregate, you know, when you don't have closers calling and asking where their file is or scanning or uploading or shipping, um, along with the, the capital efficiencies is where we see just the massive impact by just implementing these types of changes. That's fantastic. Um, Gosh, Words actually had a great question in here, but I'll I'll kind of I'll peel on it a little bit. Um, you know, his question is: Is SnapDocs doing anything to help get Ron in all fifty states um, a reality? And and you and I kind of talked a little bit about kind of the policy um, side of things, and you know what might be holding back um, you know full um, utilization of this in the industry. And I. I think it'd be great for you to to spend some time just kind of chatting about about that as well. Sure, definitely. I I want to start by by asking uh, or just sort of clarifying one thing: the vast majority, and this is always a surprise to to folks that hear it, but the vast majority of the e notes and digital closings that are being done today by the industry are actually not leveraging remote online notarization or 
in-person electronic notarization. The vast majority are hybrid or hybrid with email. And what we mean by that is hybrid is any of the non-critical docs, non-notarized docs, or hybrid with e-note where you do those non-critical docs and the e-note e-signed, but the security instrument or anything else that needs to be notarized would still be part of a slimmer package that would be signed in, in person with a, with a notary. The reason you see that is because of the reasons that that Sam and others are sort of chiming in here on the chat about is that, you know, today we do have, you know, I think we're up to like 45 or so states that have adopted RON, but there's different requirements in those states that often need to be managed to. Counties also have to permit e-recording. So if you've e-notarized the document, you can also e-record it. But the beautiful thing about e-note and hybrid is there's no state-specific restrictions that would you know, prevent you from being able to go that route. The note's not notarized. It's not typically recorded. And so our lenders have seen a tremendous tremendous amount of success in RON as well, but the, the vast majority of them are closing them as hybrid or hybrid with E-Note when they can. Our, our recommendation to our lenders is always, you know, no one is closing sort of one way. Digital closings are a spectrum. Anything from a wet closing where interactions are digital and collaboration is digital on a single platform to a fully digitally signed package that has all those things too. And then there's everything in the middle, hybrid, hybrid with Nino. What we tell lenders is expect that there's going to be a few different permutations of digital closings that you're going to do, but the goal should always be get as easy as you can on every file and maximize the ROI and maximize the bar experience and reduce to the extent you can the amount of hard copy wedding paper that you're having to manage and, and deal with. Uh, Bob has a question in the chat too that just came in. He just said, um, what are you hearing about federal legislation to standardize Ron across the country? And this is this is tricky is for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, the, there is an act, the Secure Act, that's out right now, um, and uh, lots of folks have been watching its slow but steady progress. Um, I think one of the reasons you might hear folks say that they're opposed to the bill um, is that uh, usually uh, what you're hearing is states that haven't had a chance to put in their own legislation, this would effectively preempt, right? And it would require that they permit RON and it would require basically that they follow the requirements in that law as opposed to giving the state the opportunity to sort of put its own program in place. So that's where you'll see some resistance. You'll also see some resistance among notary groups that, you know, they have a, a, a fear that the more digital the closing process goes, the less their role is um, necessary, which is absolutely not true. Remote online notarization even still uses a notary it's just a notary that's able to plug in just like we are right now and, and you know, look at the credentials and see that the borrower is, in fact, who they say they are. Um, but the notary is still very much a part of those types of closings. That's great. Um, Becky's got a great question, too, that kind of builds on one of the things you were talking about uh, before. I guess they've done hybrid and RON, but not the hybrid um, with eNote. Um, can you walk through some of the benefits? Um, in doing the hybrid with the eNote? Yeah, so so the, the good thing with hybrid with eNote is um, you, you take away two eligibility factors that you have to otherwise manage too. You don't have to worry about the state and you don't have to worry about the county. You don't have to worry about if it's in a state that permits RON. 
You don't have to worry about if it's in a county that accepts e-recording. So it takes that piece out of it for you completely. Also, there's a requirement today with e-notarization and in particular with Ron that the title underwriter consent to the notarization being done digitally. So you don't have to worry about that one either. Um, and so uh, while there, yes, of course, is tons of value in having a fully digital package and getting all the way to that Ron closing, when you do a hybrid or a hybrid with Eno, since the E-note is the asset that you're delivering to warehouse, more often than not, they just want the note. Um, and the note is what you're offering, delivering to your investor. Those other trailing documents will come in six months up to a year, sometimes depending on investor requirements afterwards. So when you're thinking about capital efficiency, acceleration into secondary market, that's that's where E-note becomes massively powerful. And Becky, to answer your question more directly, one of the reasons we see lenders optimizing for hybrid with E-note versus a full run oftentimes is just so that they can scale and do as many E-notes as possible. Effectively, they don't want to say, oh, because it can't be run, I don't want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. I still want to get you know, as E as I possibly can. What a horrible analogy. I have to find a better one. Um, <laughs> maybe something with sploot. Um, it sounds like a cartoon, like comic book, like sploot, right? <laughs> Um, or, or an acronym that the mortgage industry came up with, but, but yeah, it's basically a tactic just to say, let me get as digital as I possibly can, as efficiently as I can and, and get to scale quickly so that I can see that ROI as quickly as possible. I think the, the latest, um, you know, study that came out, but with, uh, by the MBA showed, you know, $13,000 to originate a loan, right? Um, you know, that cost of origination just keeps going up. And so obviously, you know, um, having some sort of, of, you know, kind of e-closing experience, whether it be hybrid, whether it be full close or full run um, can help with that. Um, but, you know, we've had, we've had Ron and, and e-notes as a part of things through 2020 pretty significantly. Like, are there other things that you feel like, you know, just with your technical background that, that we could be or should be doing to help either further adoption um, to, to um, lower that cost of origination even further over time? Yeah, I don't know if this is going to answer the question, but maybe in a backwards way, there was another question that came in that sort of touched on this too. Someone had asked like, you know, do all investors accept Enos? And um, the answer is no, but the vast majority do. So for example, when SnapDocs did a survey of our lenders and our lenders trading partners, we saw that more often than not, uh, more than 50% of a lender's portfolio or pipeline is Enote eligible. Um, what becomes tricky is the lender making sure that they have a process in place where they can identify the eligibility of a, of a digital closing upfront. And when you, you, you hear that, you hear sometimes a secondary market or capital markets team push back and say, well, wait a minute, I don't want to do anything that's going to limit the fungibility or potentially impact the profitability of this loan. I'm going to sell best X. And so I need you to actually be as conservative as you can and not as e as you can. Um, and so what, we, what we've what we done is we, we had a very large lender that was using the SnapDocs platform, was having the exact same internal debate with their capital markets and secondary markets teams. And we asked them, said, hey, like, give us the last 90 days of data of your secondary market data. 
And let us take a look at if, in fact, this is the more profitable path or not. And it was super interesting what we found out for this one lender. Even though 40% of their investors were E-note eligible, 60% of the time, the highest bids came from E-note eligible investors. And even when it didn't, when we took this lender-specific capital and operational efficiencies with every loan closed and E-note in place, they still were netting out five bips more than if they had closed it as a paper note and sold at best X. And for this very sizable lender, in the aggregate, this simulation or case study exercise would have netted in another $3.8 million in revenue. So, so that's massive and significant in this market, right? Um, but I think it's a paradigm shift as we think about profitability. You know, We usually think about it in terms of the price you're receiving in the market. But what we're actually talking about now is the cost to originate these goods, right? And reducing those so that you can make more profit on the back end. Great. Um, Iris got a question in there too. He says, is there any pushback from notaries not feeling comfortable with remote notarization as opposed to being in person? Have you heard that? I have not. Again, the only pushback I've ever heard was from notaries that thought that somehow this is going to make it so that a notary is not needed. You know, like Ron is the first step to actually eliminating notaries altogether. Um, but but notaries definitely need to have, in some states, they have to have additional certifications to, be, to do remote online notarization. Different platforms look and feel different. So RON providers will offer training to make sure that you know how to use their platform. Some RON providers have a bench of, of notaries. Um, but you know, if there's a notary listening for some reason, I'd say, you know, I would absolutely look into making sure that you have those capabilities. Um, because it's only going to expand your your marketability in the business. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Rob, you've been quiet today. My friend. No, it's scaring me a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, what is he going to ask? <laughs> I, I ran out of I ran out of words about three quarters of the way through the Western Secondary this week. So I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still recovering. I actually witnessed that because I chased him down the hall and I was like, "Hi, Rob." He's like, "Hey." <laughs> um, so I going going back to your introduction. I mean, you two. I, I mean, it's been marvelous. I'm just sitting here, and the and the 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 chat and the questions from the people tuning in have been have been better than anything I could ever ask. So I think Melissa, you should cue those up. But but going back to your background, you said that you consulted for Ginny May. Right? Are you, are, you, are you sensing danger here? Oh, no. Yeah, so, maybe. <laughs> so, Ginny May, a lot of people just kind of throw Ginny May, HUD, you know, they just kind of throw that Ginny May out there. They don't know that there are only about 150 or 200 people that work at Ginny May, uh, handling two point, I don't know, two or $3 trillion of outstanding MBS that are up. But Ginny May is not known for a, a hub of technological innovation shall we say, when, when did you consult for them? What did you do? And what should people, I mean, what, what was that like? And is Ginny Mae trying to catch up with, you know, with what we're talking about today? They absolutely are. And as a matter of fact, I think they're, they're trying to, to even take a, a leadership position at if they can in that space. So my role um, as a consultant to Ginny was to help them with the launch of their digital collateral program, which initially was a pilot. 
Um, and then they've opened it up to be a full program. So they're accepting uh, e-signed electronic promissory notes uh, in their MBS program. You still have to go through an application process, just like you have to do with the GSEs. You have to do some testing. Um, but you know, for a lender that is doing a lot of, of Govy loans, that was a big, you know, to the point someone made in the chat, if you're doing a lot of Juni loans, that was a big reason why you maybe didn't want to get into the e-note space earlier, because for as long as Juni wasn't taking them, your FHAs, your VAs, your USDAs, you're, you know, you weren't going to be able to do them as e-notes. So what was great about the Juni policy is that all of the insuring agencies also signed on. So effectively, Juni's policy is the one that they're all aligned with and are following. Um, and I think Ginny has maybe already 20 or 30 issuers that are, are starting to deliver e-notes to them. The, the challenge that remains with Ginny, um, and I'm hoping that over the next several months we see this start to change, is they, they currently can't, this is maybe the point you were making, Rob, because of how their infrastructure was initially set up, they don't allow you to commingle electronic notes in the same pool as a paper note. And so for ah. lenders, that's a that's not going to allow them to really press on the gas or, or do anything meaningful until they lift that. And they're they're in the process of doing that. But but if you hear people say they've been slow moving on the Ginny um, digital initiatives, that that could be the main reason why. I didn't know that. You know, a lot of you know, people. I mean, Ginny, we talk Ginny this, Ginny that. I think from from the loan officers who are especially the newer loan officers who may be on this call. That's the primary, you know, MBS mortgage-backed security that FHA and VA loans end up in. And so to have that kind of that, oh, well, we can't co-mingle those two, for example, what a pain in the neck. So that would certainly be good to be able to, to co-mingle those. Uh, so thank you for that. I, I, uh, I, I, Ginny May is a, like I said, it's a kind of an un, people don't talk about Ginny May much. There's only a couple hundred people that work there. And, um, you know, that's kind of this mystery. I was shocked mystery. that 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 head count of employees was surprising to me as well. When I first got there, I, I was like, you know, multiple, a lot more contractors than employees, um, which is a tough thing. You know, it's a tough thing for them to have to manage, I think, because anytime you're you're having to rely a lot on outsourced help that needs to coordinate with one another, you know, that's tough. And, and sometimes they're coordinating with, you know, especially in the con in the consulting world with their competitors, right? So it, it, I think it is a tough spot for sure. So did you, since, since I've got the stage here briefly, and then Melissa, you can start with some <laughs> of the questions that have, been, that have been chatted in. But we were both at the Western Secondary, a lot of investors there, aggregators uh, and so on. Freddie Mac had a big presence. Uh, What's what 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 were you doing there? Not not I don't mean that in a bad way, but what, what tell me you, what you do here? <laughs> what, no, no, but what were your meetings like? What were the discussion topics that you found yourself involved in at a secondary marketing slash capital markets conference? Yeah. So my role is to help again our lenders with their strategy of the mortgage. And Effectively, that means we want to help our lenders get as easy as they can be and maximize their ROI from their investment in digital closing. So a big part of my job is education. It's talking to investors, aggregators, servicers, warehouse lenders that aren't accepting e-note yet. 
because we know every time one of those nodes is activated and is accepting, you know, we see exponential growth because it unlocks more volume that can go digital. Um, and so a lot of times it's just education. It's checking in, asking where they sit with this. Is it something they're hearing from their lenders? Or if it's our customers that have asked us to talk to them, you know, giving them some data to help support the decision. Um, but also educating them on the fact that it's good for them more often than not too. So we know the GSCs love when they get the loans in as an e-note because they can auto-certify. And to Melissa's point, from a risk perspective, there's so many built-in mitigants in addition to having like more immediate direct access to the collateral, like a warehouse lender would love to have, right? Um, you know, you're, you're not, you're just not seeing the types of issues that are otherwise prevalent in paper notes and you can't lose them. It's effective, you know, virtually impossible to lose one. The, the, the funny, crazy stories you hear about one customer, I, I'm not making this up, told us that the FedEx truck drove into a lake and it had, you know, hundreds of boxes of their promissory notes in it. And they had to do lost note affidavits. And, and this particular lender actually told us that, um, or no, it was a different lender that said that when they did, when they had to do a lost note affidavit, even though they only did it 0.x percent of the time, when they added that 0.x percent and the cost that they have with preparing in that whole process, it actually bumped their cost savings to something closer to like $500 alone. So it's crazy. Wow. So what's what are you guys working on what's next is it is it more is it just <laughs> trying to get the entire industry behind you is it more working with state and regional organizations trying to get you know state and regional i mean the the states up and going is it working more with investors trying to get their acceptance i mean you got a lot of balls in the air so where is your focus it's it's definitely um on secondary market acceptance, but also looking at policies that would make this transition easier or better for everyone. So I was sharing with Melissa in, in one of our earlier discussions as we were prepping for today that um, one of the firms I used to work for, Falcon, that, that did the engagement with Jenny May, um, and you, you probably know Armando Falcone, um, wrote a letter recently to uh, FHFA because of the RFI that they put out regarding their single-family pricing framework. And in that letter, it talks about all of the benefits that we just talked about um, with e-notes, why it's better for the consumer, why it's better for the industry, where all those you know operational and, and cost savings and risk mitigants come in. But at the end of it, so there was an ask, which is, um, to see if the the FHFA would consider reducing the G fee to on on loans with e-notes to financially incentivize lenders to make this transition also. Um, basically to say, recognize that there's some administrative cost savings, some risk risks that are mitigated, and can that in any way offset then the G fee? Um, so we'll see what impact it has, but it ended up being not just Falcon and Snapdocs that signed off on it, but a number of other vendors, a number of other lenders, warehouse lenders, even, um, sorry, not warehouse lenders, investors even that um, signed up and, and sort of are trying to, you know, educate the regulators on the importance of this, but also recognizing the fact that sometimes you need a light of fire under some of these initiatives to get them to really take off. I think that's fantastic. Um, well, thank you. One, one quick, one quick comment before Melissa takes the baton back. How many, how many 
prep calls did you two have? Because I, I, don't, I guess I must have missed that email. I, I don't remember any being invited to any prep calls. I don't think so. I was invited, Rob. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just sit back here in the corner and mind my own business. We did not spend that much time together, and I feel like you might have been invited. I don't know. Uh, sorry, my friend, if you were. That's not. all right. That's all right. I'm doing. I'm busy doing, you know, very important things. Okay. Okay. Um, we we all trust that um, for sure. So, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Camille. It's so much for spending your time with us, for sharing your expertise. Are um, we done? Wait, are we, we are. Do you? This do you this time flew to... by. So one of the one of the things I want to bring up is um, the the time does fly, and I don't I I forget Camille what what you were talking about, but oh well, there's there's the there's the granddaughter. Um, yes, the little, little tyrant there storing up energy. Um, so yes, there's Cosette. Um, what are we doing this weekend? But I can't believe that we're, we're halfway through more than halfway through the third quarter already. The the year, the year is, is flying. And so, um, it's amazing. It's amazing. All right. Since Rodney wants to know what we're all doing this weekend, Camila, do you want to start? What's what's big on your agenda this weekend? Oh my gosh. This is the question I also dread because I haven't given that enough thought, but I'm actually really excited not to have plans. Is that bad? I don't have any plans yet. That's not bad at all. Clean slate. I love it. Rob, how about you? Well, according to Guy Schwartz, I guess I should spend my weekend putting money into my granddaughter's uh, 529. Uh, no, I just went on a very nice bike ride, um, in the Napa Valley and I'm going to play some hoops. I'm going to be grand, uh, granddaughter babysitting tonight and, uh, play some hoops tomorrow morning and then go to a friend of mine's backyard party, Joe Garrett, who many of you know, Joe's name He's a banking consultant. He's having a little party in his backyard and where I hope to see, uh, Linda Ronstadt, who's been invited. Linda's Linda's not who many people think she is anymore. She's had some rough health issues, but she may be there. So that's what I'm going to be doing. That sounds like a fun one. And Melissa, what are you up to? Um, I actually, my my sons have started cross country uh, and they have their first cross country meet. So uh, I, we get to experience that. Um, and then I, I actually have some spa time on Sunday. <laughs> Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have some time relaxing, which I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> no, no golf this weekend, uh, Ira. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is the weird weekend where I'm not actually golfing. Yeah, I remember speaking. I mean, you're in Austin. My son Robbie went to school in Austin. He was on the UT bicycle team. So hopefully, cross country is more entertaining than that because when you watch a bike race at the University of Texas, it's like there they go. Oh. They'll be back through in you know an hour and a half. Oh, okay. What are we gonna, we're gonna sit, sit, we're gonna try to find shade until you know try to find shade for the next hour and a half. Anyway, so, Rob, I don't know that not, but I was actually on the cycling team at Clemson. Um, really, I was. Yeah, I started off on the mountain bike uh, squad and then moved over to to road. Uh, as soon as I hit forty miles an hour on a road bike, I was I was sold. It was so much fun. <laughs> wow. So yeah. you, you've ridden over those big tiger prints in the uh, roads approaching uh, the school. Many, many, many times. Yes. And can absolutely attest uh, for the boring nature of watching other people uh, race because uh, it's, it, you just sit there, like Rob said, and you're 
and then you wait for them to come back around. Uh, but being in the race is a lot of fun. You guys are motivating me to make some really good weekend plans. <laughs> Saluting was one of them. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to keep us updated on your on your splooting activities. Yes, yes. I want to see pictures of the puppy doing the sploot. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll save that for the next rundown. I'll just come and fit into the the That's chat. Awesome. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us, uh, Camila. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise um, and for your time today. Thank you, SnapDocs, for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, really appreciate the partnership that we have with you guys at the Mortgage Collaborative. Uh, and uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Thanks Thank you. Thank you. so much. Bye-bye. Bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.